what's up freaks welcome back to the freaks broadcast present presented by the prog space i'm your host dario and with me as always on wednesdays on wednesdays right randy on wednesdays <laughs> randy wednesdays it is wednesday um february 5th and uh already it's the broadcast episode 39 my god and uh, we have a little program laid out, planned for you today. Um, of course, we're going to talk about the last episodes. We're going to talk about what's in our Walkmans. I'm going to uh, pick a release of the week. And then we're going to nerd out uh, in our Who Progged in Here section. And Absolutely. Uh, R uh, Randy picked a really cool and uh, interesting topic again. It's gonna, we're going to talk about... It's kind of connected. To last yeah. the last time we talked, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Metropolis Part Two: Scenes from a Memory, um, seminal, legendary, seminal uh, prog metal concept absolutely. album from Dream Theater. Uh, we're gonna get into that uh, right after the other smaller sections. Um, so yeah, what did we have in the last episodes on Monday? Of course, the What's Hot. Yep. Um, with quite some interesting new bands that I didn't know before and I yeah. had a feeling there were like uh, some some more extreme metal stuff and also some more southern and sludgy stuff mm -hmm. um, like I think it was right the f second song or something I mentioned after Omnirod was, was Lord Dying for yes. example yeah. and um, yeah, I actually saw them um, in concert here in Munich a couple of years back. It was a very, very cool show. Um, yeah. I wasn't there to see them. Um, I think they were playing with um, Red Fang mm -hmm. uh, at, at the Werk. Yeah. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, and like I think they were still pretty, pretty young, new yeah. to the yeah. scene. But like they, you, they really pulled the people in. I, I remember awesome. thinking that, and then I bought the record that night from yeah. them. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I haven't had the time to listen to the album. It's out for almost a year now. Yeah. Um, but the artwork looks super intriguing, and mm -hmm. and the song titles alone, like uh, er, everything's uh, super well thought out. Like the whole package yeah it's a little bit like hyborian like thinking man's sludge metal yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then um there was this yeah new festival time section mm -hmm. uh with some crazy additions to already crazy lineups yeah. and uh i was just so floored by the amazing quality these festivals put out put out these this year especially i i have the feeling i could spend the whole the half of the year or, or at least uh the the whole summer almost every weekend somewhere at yeah, absolutely. prog festival with a with a top notch lineup uh not just a prog festival where you can listen see to some bands. see some bands but yeah. like top notch lineup uh all throughout uh, the european festivals um, and make sure, um, you know, like, like I've said in the past, I always plug this for Daria. This is a great service for the prog community that you do this what's hot thing. Um, because I mean, where else would you get all that information in one place? And you also make a cool playlist on the yeah. prog spaces, Spotify account yeah. each week for that. So you not only can listen to you talk about it and, what I think is cool about what you do is you put everything into context, you know, like it's not just like, oh, there's this new band. You kind of 
bring a lot of context to them if there's connections to the scene in another way or yeah. where the music is coming from stylistically. And so when you also pair that with listening to the Spotify playlist, I love that. So Awesome. That's why I do it. Yeah. <laughs> for me. Um, Just only, for me. Only for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, <laughs> and yeah, our last uh, uh, episode together last week... Uh, Uh, what was that about? We, we, yeah, we just um, had a normal episode mostly, uh, and then uh, yeah, a, yeah, a little interview. Yeah, we had we had the best of January. What's hot? I, yeah, uh, we we watched some uh, some videos together, and yeah, interview with uh, Tommy Carvisari from Amorphis. Yeah, and uh, the show the evening before was of course really nice. <laughs> um, on on the coming weekend, I'll be on the road again in a uh, on a not so secret broadcast mission <laughs> uh, tied in of course that's a cool thing with uh first personal interest i'm gonna go to dortmund to see leprous clone and marathon awesome uh so stay tuned for probably some exclusive content uh very exciting Monday. um as always don't forget to check out the spotify playlist as you just mentioned um And also, um, we had a couple of songs on this Monday again that weren't on, on Spotify. So jump onto the article on the Proc Space yep. where you can find the YouTube videos. Absolutely. And remember, if you like this show uh, and you like the What's Hot, please uh, you know, rate the show, comment on the show on your favorite podcast platform, uh, share it with your friends. That's... That does a lot for, for getting out the reach for like gaming the system so that people actually get recommended the show when yeah. they're listening to music podcasts. That's really helpful for us and we appreciate it. Plug, plug over. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Randy. What's in your Walkman? Yeah, I mean, apart from the album that we're going to talk about today, uh, I, I was like digging a little bit into... Uh, Caligula's Horse, um, because I'm really anticipating the new record, and just listened to In Contact um, yesterday uh, entirely, and it's it's one of those records that just works in its entirety. You know, it's like a really great album, and I just I re I remember actually discovering them kind of late, like having heard of them a bunch, but then kind of discovering them, and then talking to you about it, and yeah. you knowing them. Yeah. And then I can remember we were standing in the kitchen here at the Moonbase for some event, maybe the, a Christmas party a few years ago or something. I can't even remember what it was. But we talked about the spoken word section. Uh, that's the the um, third to last track yeah. from the record. I forget um, um, the the lead into the to the penultimate track. Exactly. Uh, and. Inertia and the weapon of the wall. I all I, I usually get a little nervous when there's like spoken word yeah. stuff or narrative, you know. Um, and I was a big fan of Rhapsody back in the day, and when they used it, it was kind of cheesy, but it was like okay. But then it kind of like grew out of me, like and everybody yeah. that did it, it seemed kind of cheesy, you know what yeah. I mean? But um, it's totally different. It's totally different. It yeah. it doesn't work in the same way at all. It's not like yeah. I actually I had seen live performance videos from Jim pulling off yep. a, a spoken spoken word piece that he had written a couple of years back um, on the topic of uh, you know those uh, 
Australian immigrant immigrant problem, oh. uh, in, like uh, as the uh, Australian government kind of ships off the immigrants coming from the from uh, Asia yep. uh, to remote islands, yep. including like young kids and stuff, yep. and they're not not treated so well. It's been Prob in the pro probably an understatement, but it's been in the news lately because they're actually shipping Australians there who are traveling back from China at the moment because of the coronavirus. What the fuck? They're literally quarantining out of here. Um, Australian citizens in those camps. Wow. Yeah. So that's some like next level shit. So don't think <laughs> that they yeah. won't turn on you. Yeah. As well, <laughs> citizens. Well, we're not going to get into the resistance. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's 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 actually that's a different podcast. That, that, that's that's a d different thing going on here at Stu's Media. We just launched our uh, new um, documentary series, Resistance, last week. Yeah. So busy times here. Yep. Um, yeah. Sorry that we got <laughs> sidetracked. But Caligula's Horse, yeah. So this album, I absolutely love it. And it was yeah. kind of my gateway into the band. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, though, um, texting you and saying, like, I was in front of the screen, like, about to order some CDs. And I re texted you. I said, where should I start, you know, with <laughs> Caligula's Horse? And then I just yeah. bought them all. Yeah. You were like, start at the beginning. I was like, okay, then I just bought everything. Yeah, it, and it, it's, it was only like, it was, it's four only four. Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, and everyone is, perf yeah. everyone is great. Uh, yeah. And I just, I really love In Contact. I guess because that was my first one, but uh, yeah. just because I think it works so well. And yeah. the last track is just amazing. Graves, was, Graves is. Uh, uh, this build huge. up in the beginning, yeah. it just hits me in the feels every yeah, every yeah, time. Absolutely. Just so powerful. I, I also came a little bit late to the Caligula's horse. Uh, horse? Ah! <laughs> race? <laughs> <laughs> the Caligula's horse race. <laughs> okay. And uh, that was actually with Bloom, with the um, yeah. Marigold single. Yeah. That was the one that took me right like off guard and I was so in love with it mm. and uh, I mean I knew the band but I just saw it like the the two previous records um, I just knew it was like some side project of Jim whom I knew from Arcane oh okay and I found uh, out about Arcane through <laughs> Look at this horse. Yeah. And I think I didn't really get listen to them for a long time because of the name. Because I think it, it made me think that they were like somehow like power metal or like something in a like a a different a direction that I wasn't expecting, you know what I mean? Caligula's horse or arcane? Caligula's horse. Yeah. I think and it wasn't that I like purposely didn't listen to them, but I think that may have been one of the little elements that mm -hmm. like Hearing about them, like the name sounded so, too. Did, did did you expect some uh, um, like Roman uh, virgin steel? Battle, uh, <laughs> yeah, battle metal. Yeah, kind, kind <laughs> of. Even though I knew it was more of a prog thing, I, yeah. I think it was just like I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but but did it totally hit me at the exact right time because I was it was pleasantly surprised and yeah. Now I'm very excited for the new record. I think they they they've. They have big things in store for us, and and they 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 can they they can go far. They will absolutely. They, they will go far. Yeah, I hope to see them uh, in Europe. Yeah, I haven't they, seen them live, so. Oh my God, you're in for a treat. Yeah. 
they're going to be back, I'm sure. What's in your Walkman, Dario? Um, actually, a band from Denmark uh, who just got confirmed for the Proc Power Festival oh, yesterday, yeah. Feather Mountain. Yeah. And I listened to the album um, a couple of weeks back. I think was might have been still last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a recommendation uh, of our friend Rune. Oh, okay. Um, is it also this kind of Runa so alternative y style stuff? It, it is, fun- funnily enough, it's alternative V, v style. Um, <laughs> but, but funny that you say it, I wouldn't necessarily associate Runa to necessarily alternative stuff. No, but he liked these, these. There was a couple of bands that we talked about before that he was like really into that had this more alternative E sound. Uh, um, maybe head with uh, wings. Oh uh, um, yeah, and, yeah, right. Because um, remember we did this episode with Azur and and, yeah. and 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 Odd Palace and yeah, all these kind. And of I just remember yeah. I was surprised by that because <laughs> of the like alternative connection that he yeah. was into stuff that was like. So yeah, <laughs> everybody <laughs> is an individual snowflake. You know, <laughs> everybody has dimensions to their taste. And uh, yeah. And we shouldn't judge. It's uh, not all about old school black metal. Exactly. For, exactly. for, for this uh, Norwegian bear. So. Uh, <laughs> but but he's turned me on to a lot of good stuff. I also like some alternative grungy elements, obviously. So Yeah, um, yeah and, and the Feather Mountain, I just like listened to half or three quarters of the album on my way here. Um, there's, uh, yeah, some... some you, you know, modern leprous kind of stuff, but but also then in other tracks you can hear a tool influence that is hmm. like that sounds quite different from stuff like wheel, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I only saw you your post or the post about uh, them being added, and I didn't. I haven't listened to them yet, so I definitely yeah. will add and that. It's to gonna my... it's gonna be their first. Um, show outside of Denmark. Well. And um, I remember a, <laughs> I remember a young British band in 2010 whose first gig outside of England was... Uh, Prague Power. Par- hey, can it? Yeah. <laughs> I knew where you were going, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. All right. Quick shout out for my release of the week that's actually gonna be released tomorrow when the episode drops. Uh, from Austria, their dogs were astronauts. Two brothers playing some uh, instrumental, genty stuff. Oh, okay. The album's called Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, I already mentioned uh, two singles on I think on the first What's Hot section this year. Yeah. And they also had this, um, um, not crowd, uh, crowdfunding donation thing going for the, like connected to the song Wildfires, they did a donation thing for the- For for Australia. Australia. Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so shout out to their dogs, we're astronauts, I'm, uh, looking forward to- uh, digging my teeth into that album, Dreamcatcher. Are you, are you going to include that as well? Anything from that on the playlist? Of course. Of course. So <laughs> once again, make sure you check out the playlist to find out what Dario is talking about. 
So, um, but the rest of the playlist is already settled. You know what it's going to be. Yep. Metropolis part two. Somebody progged in here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where shall we begin? Um, so it is twenty. It, it turned turned twenty years. It was released yeah. in October nineteen ninety nine. So last October, end of October, it turned twenty. So they've been touring this for the last year, right? North America. Yeah. Um, and now they the, are. The, yeah, Dream Theater were in Germany or in in Europe. Um, I think right after the, the release of um, last year's album. Distance uh, over time. Distance over time for a couple of uh, shows. Yep. And, but, but not like a full-blown tour or anything. They had a couple of festival shows. Yep. And, and like just, just a few select shows. And, and then they really started the big production in the United States, uh, North America with... Uh, with songs from the new album and but also the whole Metropolis part yeah, two. Yeah, so basically giving it like the same the same like treatment as the images and words tour that they did where they played the whole album through. Yeah. And it's the first time they've played the whole album through live um since the, the tour the tour the D V D. Yeah. That was the last um the Metropolis 2000 Scenes from New York DVD that came out in 2001, actually, like right around September 11th. Um, it was recorded oh, the year before. Oh yeah, the, well, wasn't there the, the like the cover artwork incident? Yeah, the, I mean, I guess that, no, we can talk about that. Um, so um, the, there, there was an issue when it, I was at the show, so yeah. I, I guess I should back up a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I was at the concert because I had just moved to New York uh, about f- three or four days prior to wow. to the show. Uh, I didn't know that they were playing. I had just checked into my like college dormitory. I was just starting film school in New York. What a coincidence. And check this out. This is crazy. And in South Carolina, I had one other friend who liked Dream Theater. Uh, and I can go into like my history with Dream Theater later, but... Um, uh, and my brother was into them as well, but I didn't have a lot of friends and, you know, they weren't popular. So when I came to film school, I, I didn't really think if I would meet anybody that liked dream theater, but on the first day during the, like what you call, um, um, yeah. So during the orientation, which is like, you know, the day where all the new students come into a big room and they introduce you to the faculty, introduce you to the program, you like start getting your classes and stuff. It's it's a like super important day and it's kind of long and you you do a lot of different stuff to like get to know the school. As I was walking into the orientation, I saw a kid wearing a Dream Theater baseball cap backwards <laughs> from the Falling Into Infinity tour. All right. And I was like, new friend. <laughs> so like beelined to this guy and... uh his name's Justin Guarino. So, Justin, if you ever listen to this, I think he's in L.A. now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we kind of totally nerded out for like 15 minutes on Dream Theater before the thing started. And then he goes, well, do you have tickets to the show tomorrow? And I was like, what show tomorrow? <laughs> he said, yeah, well, they're going to play scenes from a memory tomorrow at Roseland Ballroom. So I left the orientation, <laughs> ran no way, ran to Irving Plaza in New York to buy tickets or to buy a ticket for myself wow. to this, and missed my college 
orientation <laughs> to buy Dream Theater tickets. Um, wow. Anyway, so yeah, this was like uh, back in 2000. And then the release, they had like time code issues, I remember uh, learning about like after the concert because they filmed the whole thing. Yeah. And after the concert, they had issues with the time code. So none of the cameras could sync. Damn. I always wondered about this explanation because I don't know if it was just time code and then they had to sync everything by hand. Nowadays, it would be fairly easy to do that. And back then, I don't know what they were working with. But I remember Mike Portnoy writing something like the time code setting on different cameras cameras, cameras was wrong. Yeah. And that can happen. Like if you have them at different settings, then they don't sync. So then you would have to manually sync the whole thing, which probably yeah. back then was super difficult. So it delayed yeah. the release. Yeah about a year mm -hmm. and the live album uh dropped first so yeah so it the the production was delayed for like a year uh and they released the cd first i remember and i like went to the mall in the morning and skip class of course like all these <laughs> things i do for dream theater oh, wow. uh and was like at the mall waiting when they were going to open up at nine or nine thirty uh and the album was released on okay i take that back i didn't the day of the release i was it was was 911 and it was released with cover art showing the manhattan skyline you know wrapped with an apple and then the skyline on fire and it came out on 911 so this was tuesday of course that was the old release days and um, the 9-11 story is a whole other story, which I don't want to go into now, but of course they they immediately wanted to pull this from the shelves because it was just ironic that it had that. And they even made the news, you know, and back then they weren't like as big of a name, I think, as they are they, now. They, they, and they didn't make the news because of their music. No, they made <laughs> the news because their album cover had like some coincidental fire skyline with the you know with the world trade center on it yeah um and uh but i ran to the mall like in the next couple of days and they still had copies of the original so i got a copy of it which i recently sold and without even thinking about it um forgot could have probably asked for a higher price <laughs> yeah probably sold it for like two bucks um but then, yeah, a little while later, they released the DVD once they finally figured out the technical issues with it. But anyway, I'm talking a lot about the that live show, but it made such an impression on me because it was the first time I saw Dream Theater, and it's my favorite band. It's my favorite album of all time. Yeah. And um, I was I was waiting for that yeah. bit <laughs> to come out. That's here's where here's where the, this is leading. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and I would just say just to the album itself. I was already a fan of Dream Theater when it came out. I was a fan since Awake. Um, and when Falling to Infinity came out, I didn't hate it. Um, I really liked Change of Seasons, um, but I was I was really worried about the band. And this was before the internet, before everybody, like the rumor mill could like give you like inside. I, I was really worried that they were changing their sound because of what was happening in music in the mid-90s with like really shitty grunge music and stuff. I was really afraid of that. Yeah. Um, but I still liked it. And then they released the live album, um, which was like live in, um, Europe, like I think Paris, they recorded at the falling into infinity, infinity, um, live record, whatever the hell that was called. I forgot. <laughs> also, also cool, but also kind of had this feeling that something wasn't right. Yeah. Um, 
And I remember buying the record. Um, somebody, I also didn't realize it was out. And a, my friend who liked Dream Theater was like, oh, did you get the new record? And so I raced. I think I skipped work or something. Raced to the record store, Manifest Disc and Tapes in Columbia, South Carolina. And they didn't have any more copies of the album, but they had a, they had a like the promo copy. Oh, you know, it was like in a jewel case, but the the cover had like the promo text, like this is not for sale. <laughs> so I bought the one that wasn't for sale, <laughs> um, and I went out to the car. And I sat in the car and I put the CD in, and I was just like holding my breath, like please don't fuck this up, <laughs> you know, like please go. And uh, yeah, I kind of started crying. It was like so, yeah, emotional. Like this, the the the, and I knew it right away with the acoustic. Uh, elements, James's voice, the Pink Floyd like kind of feeling of the opening, you know, um, and then of course that also Pink Floyd the Wall, also Operation Mind Crime intro with the with the drum snare cadence and the build, and and then I was like, okay, they're back. <laughs> uh, it, within the first moments, I yeah. like knew that this was going to be great, and yeah, went on to be my favorite record, and yeah. yeah. I, I have to, it's not my favorite record of all time, but it's definitely in the top 10, no doubt about that. Yeah. And I also think it changed a lot. Uh, I think it, um, it... It it did, it certainly did. It. Um, I think it was maybe almost as important for progressive metal music as a genre as a whole as it was for the band absolutely no like doubt revived the whole genre yeah yeah kind of um, because i um, felt like it was flailing at the end of the 90s and uh, except for like yeah. a few cool bands like symphony yeah. x and stuff who yeah. were like kind of dabbling in other genres but still yeah. being a little bit prog yeah, yeah. And, and dream theater being the torchbearer the the, the one of the founders of this um you know style of pr prog metal um yeah, yeah they they delivered and then if you me and Dario have here in the office the um the prog magazine uh, special edition which talks about um the making of that album and its yeah, interviews with the year. band yeah uh from last year and, and there's a lot of people in here like Charlie from Haken and 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 Dan Briggs and from Between the Bear and Me talking about the importance of that record to them personally, but yeah. I think that's like a drop in the bucket compared to how important it was to like innovating the scene, you know. And I think if even if you talk to a lot of gent guys, yeah, like periphery and stuff, they'll yeah. tell you it was like scenes from a memory that, yeah, yeah really. It, it it is a super interesting album, of course, in the band, a whole band uh, discography in 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 the timeline of Dream Theater. Um, how it came to be, it is uh, in retrospect is maybe yeah, like the them firing uh, Derek Sherinian, mm -hmm. getting getting Jordan on board. It was kind of there. Yeah, uh, there were. Clutching at straws and then like, think, okay, we have to make this right, and then they went fully in. Yeah. They, went, they just went all in. Also with them having their management back them up, uh, like their new management back them up at the yeah. record company, um, which is also an interesting uh, thing. Like, well, when I read, I just read the article this morning as well and 
I mean, they had an eight-album contract. Which sounds is, like a relic from 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 yeah. ancient times. Is there yeah. like there's there's nothing like that that anymore? Eight and, albums. And 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 then they also say that they're in in the in this whole huge label apparatus. Even though they charted and and were somewhat big in the scene, they in the label they were like nobody cared about them. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, th- this maybe like and ending that that album cycle and 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 that that eight album contract at the end of the nineties. Uh, that was also kind of an end of an era. So. Um, because now nowadays the the whole music business is different, of course, and absolutely. Um, and I mean, in the end, if, in retrospect, for any any faults that I would have found in um, falling into infinity, there's two sides to the coin. There's this like musical side, like where they were writing with Desmond Child and like trying to create something commercial, and then yeah. there's the lyric side from yeah. like Portnoy, really being frustrated. And wanting to leave the band, you know, because he felt like they had them over the barrel and yeah. were telling them what to do. And it was like too much compromise, you know, and he was like not. So this was, this album, you know, a lot of people uh, like get frustrated when Dream Theater releases a new album and it's not Scenes from a Memory. But I feel <laughs> like you can't, it's just, it's such a point in time. Now, now, now that you mention it like that, maybe, maybe they're, couldn't have been a scenes from a memory memory without a falling into infinity first yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah so. i mean it's um i mean not to get all you know and uh, what what wh- wh- what i found interesting uh like digging into the um uh personnel that worked on the record apart from the now now classic lineup of the yeah. band um and yeah, Mike Portner and John Petrucci co-producing. Yep. Um, when you said that, also a lot of like modern prog metal and gent bands uh, cite this as an influence. Uh, uh, the funny, th- funny thing I thought was that they they first bought uh, brought in David Bottrill to to uh, mix it. Oh yeah, who came from uh, uh, mixing King Crimson and Tool and. And uh, I actually, I knew the name from uh, 1996 uh, Nigel Kennedy album. Um, yeah. The, the violinist. Uh, um, so, and and then reading in the Prague Magazine article that um, they didn't like his mix because it was too soft. Yeah. <laughs> and then they went with Kevin Shirley, right? Yeah. Uh, um, Who was like a longtime collaborator of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and he would who who was associated with uh, Russian Maiden. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but um, going on into the Dream Theater discography, and then looking at uh, the f- follow up Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, and then uh ultimately train of thought it was hmm. like um they started getting more metal more aggressive with 6 degrees and went all 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 out yeah. in that as- aspect on train of thought mm-hmm. um 
but Metropolis was not yet that metal uh, leaning that heavily on on the metal side. Right. It it was the like the focus was definitely on the on the concept and the storytelling and so you you will have the heavy riffs of home or whatever right the, uh, gro the groove uh, and uh um but yeah you 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 have uh all those uh like lighter moments musically lighter not em emotionally not lighter <laughs> yeah yeah and John Myung on the yeah. like the fretless bass for instance I mean this is like also yeah. a flavor you don't hear that much um, from them um, but yeah I mean just speaking of the, the music itself I mean I don't think anybody has come close to reaching Dance of Eternity uh, as an instrumental monstrosity of a of an instrumental track you know i mean yeah. it's just it's <laughs> like the standard bearer now i mean after uh what is it uh y y, -Y -Z -Z. from rush <laughs> like and it's like the and, modern and, day version and now no well modern day version would be no by mouth, by mouth yeah. <laughs> but i mean i i, yeah, I mean not not putting down of course no by mouth but no, it's totally Neil different. by mouth exists because of of, yeah, of, of and, and dance of eternity. I mean, and, uh, Aquarius and visions exist because of Metropolis. Yeah, <laughs> part and two. I mean, I think they would be the first <laughs> no to kidding. say that, and and, yeah. and I think we're all grateful for for that because yeah. it's infused other bands with this with this interest to to go in this direction, and 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 maybe to revitalize the 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 concept record, you know, which. I mean, it was happening a lot in the prog scene at that time. I mean, and I kind of can't remember what was coming for. I mean, I think Shadow Gallery's Tyranny was before. Yeah, it was 1997, I 97, think. yeah, yeah. I also think so. Um, so there were a lot of bands in the prog scene, and like Fate's Warning, uh, Pleasant Shade of Grey mm -hmm. was also. Um, Marillion's Brave, but that's not metal. Right, but a great album. Yeah, um, but it's also on the the inspiration shrine. Yeah, right. So let's. I, that's what I wanted to actually touch on. Was like in the magazine. Um, if anybody's read their book, "Lifting Shadows Off a Dream," I think it's called, or "Lifting Shadows" is the name of the book. Um, you know, or we've read the articles about the the thing. They had this sort of controversial like inspiration corner where Mike yeah. Portnoy brought records in that they wanted to like. A controversial because <laughs> yeah, what Jordan says about it in the article is also. Quite interesting because Jordan was a little bit weirded out by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because um, maybe he wanted less having influence from outside. But I think the way Mike explains it, and maybe John as well, that there it, it, it's just like a point of reference, like yeah. to do justice to these records that came before, to be inspired by what came before. And I mean, I think this is for a band like Dream Theater who has like set the way for so many other bands, they're also the first to say, hey, we came from this tradition. We came from, you know, Yes meets Metallica or, you know what I mean? Like we came from yeah. this, from r the Rush tradition. So, you know, they don't try to like pretend to be doing... Something completely new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, just a couple of the records that are on here, of course, Marillion's Brave, um, Sergeant um, Pepper, Beatles. The, the Who's Tommy. Who's Tommy, Queensryche's Operation Mindcrime, of course, which if you listen to the intro, yeah. like I mentioned before, we won't play it now, but you'll hear. Yeah. Dream Theater is a bit and more. We, yeah, we, 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 we cross-referenced it uh, two weeks ago on in our little Operation Mindcrime nerd out, right? Absolutely. 
Uh, OK so, Computer so, from Radiohead. I mean, there's also some riffs in in um, in the one track. Uh, Beyond this life. I, I actually, no. I, I I have to admit, I fatal tragedy. I, 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 I'm terrible with song names. And I, this is my I, favorite I, album. But I I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I never really got into Radiohead, so I never listened to oh, okay, OK yeah. Computer. So I wouldn't. Yeah, there's know the, there's some paranoid Android. The song Paranoid Android yeah. has some this like some riffs that are very close to that. Actually, main riff. I wouldn't have thought that that okay computer was before seeds from a memory oh yeah it, 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 years be, i would say 97 or 96 be, because it uh sounds so modern Maybe to me 95 no i mean hey i mean as much as i'm not a huge radiohead fan they certainly i mean they brought the prog to the mainstream uh in a way that few bands were doing at that time of course pink floyd's the walls on here um. Yeah, Roger Waters, Hitchhiker, or however that album is called. I forget what the name of it is. <laughs> the one with the na naked hitchhiker lady. Um. So, yeah. I mean, they certainly were like looking at. They probably, you know, I I would expect they were looking back and saying like, how do they deal with like intros and how they deal with storyline and acts and and using instrumental sections and and you know, there's some spoken word stuff on the record. Um. But it's very tastefully done. I think it's it's limited. I think it's Terry Brown that does the 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 voice, yeah. which is a bit of a controversial thing um, because he wanted a lot of money for them to use it live. Yeah, which That's is a bit a, silly. But um, yeah. and and then live, of course, on the live DVD for those who have seen when they played in New York, they actually had an, um, a Broadway ad actor play. Terry Brown's part, like the psychologist. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. And they had the gospel choir. They had the gospel choir. And, 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 uh, which, I, when the song started, I knew a gospel choir was coming. I, I just knew they were going to like pull it out. They pulled out all the stops that night. They even had the original flute player from Images and Words on some of the Images and Words tracks. Like he came out, it was like a, like a guest list night, you know, like they had like all nice. this stuff. But uh, I, I remember like, and when, the gospel choir started to come onto the stage for the ending. It was like, whoa. <laughs> so, and if you want to see a shot of me during the solo of, <laughs> of, um, uh, through her, no. The spirit carries on. Spirit carries on. Thank you. Uh, through, uh, during, the, during the amazing John Petrucci solo, you, they cut to the audience and you can see me in, in the crowd. I will rewatch it just, <laughs> just to see you. <laughs> I have to watch it with you. You won't recognize me because it's really, really short hair and no oh, facial wow. hair. So oh, wow. it was the ba younger ba me. Ba baby Randy. 20-year-old <laughs> Randy. Yeah, like really feeling it. So, um, uh, yeah. I mean, what more can we say about this record that's not just anecdotal, like our personal connection? I mean, I guess, you know... Um, any you know, so many people have said so many things about the album. They're touring it. They're playing here in Munich on Sunday. Yeah, I will be there. Very excited to see the album played again. You know, for the first time since I was at that show. Yeah, uh, and twenty um, years ago. Twenty years ago. Crazy thing. What 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 a great album. I mean, it's it's I I I, I just told you before before we started recording I was listening to it yesterday twice, once in the morning, once in the evening, like on my uh, extended commute. 
as I had uh, to run a couple of errands. And I mean, I, of course, I know it by heart, and it was so hard for me not to just sing along, but I was like <laughs> in the subway and stuff. It was like I really had to uh, uh, hold myself back, not singing along all those yeah. lines. Because I have, yeah, they're, it's, it's just one of those albums. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, like, I could sing along from start to finish and uh, not miss a beat. <laughs> I mentioned um, earlier that when I first heard it, it was like sitting in the car, left the car off, didn't drive. Yeah. You know, I, I like put on the record and like, yeah. You know, people were walking around. And I was embarrassed because I was, you know, getting emotional about the album. But even now, 20 years later or whatever yeah. it is, uh, the intro. Just like after, you know, the James Labrie and, and Petrucci yeah. do the little intro and then the da, 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 da. every yeah. time I hear that, it just it's just such a classic introduction and, and like yeah. it gets me every every single time. <laughs> so Hey, and one more thing just before we um we stop talking. Um you don't see it because you're listening, but I, I always really liked the album artwork. It was one of, I mean, at the time, this was the, kind of a... Collage thingy. Yeah, this was a little bit of a trend at this moment, but I think it may have had to do with them doing it a little bit earlier, and then people started doing it. Because once they did it, the artists that did theirs, I started to see, like, in, the in like, the New Yorker magazine, or, like, I started to see other people using this effect... Of mm -hmm. making the collage of the face out of smaller pictures of things. Yeah, um, I think there's also a lot of movie posters. Yeah, so a lot of people started to use yeah. it after they after they did uh, or after their artist did. And I love the booklet because it has like it's it's like a a program. Yeah, you know from a, from from like going to the opera or a yeah. theater and. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, maybe this is the mistake that some people make with approaching the astonishing, that they thought it was going to be like a Metropolis Part Two kind of concept, and it's part a totally three. different Part Three. <laughs> uh, part Three, Four, Five, <laughs> two CDs. Um, but um, I, and I, you know, back then the, the like the video footage they shot for the live show was a little bit cheesy and not, not so cool, but. You know, and they were way much more on a budget um, than they would be maybe now. But uh, um, yeah. Um, what what just came to my mind with, with the like hard to not sing along with it. Um, funny thing with um, Dance of Eternity and this like yeah ten thousand time signature changes. Mm -hmm. Funny thing is, I'm I'm not uh that much in like trained in rhythm that i actually could play it but i can play along i would never i could never tell you okay now there's this time signature and now there's this it's like mm -hmm. it's it, it would take me ages to count it out and then but but just because i listened to it so many times i i could yeah. ex like pretty accurately play along yeah. uh, because they just know where it goes, like what yeah. happens. They make it sound w easy. W yeah, with, without having to count it out. Yeah. yeah. And they make those those time signature changes sound effortless. 
I yeah. think it's this. I think it's the song that has the most time changes of any song, any popular song in the last hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> there's pro- some pro- statistic I read, pro- or pro- some probably. But have you have you seen the beatbox guy? <laughs> I was just <laughs> going to say, if you want to see this broken down, watch the beatbox mm-hmm. guy because that is just. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing because he's using like a totally different art form, which. Uh, which is really just focused on the rhythm, and he's able yeah. to beatbox in all those time signatures. Yeah, and he's got his his uh, um, his cue cards, like yeah. say the time signature. Yeah, but it's he's impressive. He's, he's not looking at it; he's showing them. Yeah, to to the audience. Yeah, to, to I mean, camera. He's, he's counting them, so I mean, yeah. he knows when to change. You know what I mean? He doesn't need them to see. Yeah. So I mean, this is uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, really, just a really cool tribute and and uh, also a cool, amazing show of talent. Absolutely, and, and like yeah, and, and the talent you would not necessarily associate with prog metal. Prog metal, yeah, beatboxing. Which, but I mean, you can see totally like cool. yeah, the uh, the fundamental the fundamental qualities that they share. You know, yeah. like beatboxing and prog <laughs> <laughs> rhythm nerds. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've I think we've progged out enough on this. Go yeah. listen to the record. Go see them live. Yeah, That's... they're they're still on tour in Europe, and um, the broadcast will be back on Monday, as I said, probably with exclusive content. In, yeah, in uh, addition to the what's hot section. One thing, one thing, yep. one thing. I um, uh, realized yesterday when when, when I saw my. Um, I don't. I, some somewhere I saw Intronaut popping up, and then I remembered. Damn, you sent me a reminder somehow that they have a new single like last week. Yes, and I forgot to include them. So I am. And, so you remember? You guys might, might if if you've heard the Monday episode. I had like really again a full page of new stuff. So even bigger names somehow sometimes yeah. slip my mind. Even though people uh, uh, put my nose onto it, but if I don't <laughs> put them on the list right in that moment, I might forget yeah. because there's so much stuff happening, and the scene is brimming. Absolutely. And hey, one other note: I won't be here next week um, because I'm right. going to uh, back to Norway, um, maybe for the last round of filming um, in Norway for the Madame Mortem documentary. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to be gone for seven days, so. We have to see what the schedule's like when I get back, how how many times I miss. So just be forewarned that there may be a little bit uh, a little bit of a delay. Maybe we can squeeze in a, an extra special guest or something to to do yeah. this with you. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I have I have actually I have someone in mind. Perfect. And uh, if you show me how I how I work this out with Skype here, I'm very easy. I might have a very special interview guest next week. Nice for you. We'll we'll set it up. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. It was fun as always Absolutely. nerding out with you on our favorite prog records. Thanks, Randy. Thank you, Dario. See you next week. Freaks out. Take care and freaks out. The Freaks Progcast, presented by the Prague Space, is a production of Stuus Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. The show is produced by Janine Stangel, Blake Lewis, 
Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Our theme music is provided by This Is Not An Elephant. Thanks for tuning in, freaks. See you next time. Freaks out. Join us.